This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Happy Friday, WOMED fam. Do Jack and I have a freaking timely episode for you guys today. We all know like about a week ago now, President Biden announced that he was going to offer $10,000 in student loan repayment. And we have a student loan specialist on with us today. We're going to talk all things public service loan forgiveness. Oh my God. I wish I would have had this this 10 years ago, Jack. I know. I was taking a lot of notes during this episode. And like you said, this couldn't have come at a better time. I know. A lot of notes. I was asking a lot of questions. (laughs) But I think that you're right. This comes at the perfect time because this announcement from President Biden, while it helps and we see, you know, 10,000, maybe 20,000, depending on if you qualify or not, that is just a tiny, tiny tip of the iceberg, just a small bit for what most of us in healthcare are dealing with in terms of student loans. So it was great to have Megan on so we can kind of come up with a plan to feel a little bit better. And let me tell you, I seriously, Danielle, had so much fucking anxiety going into this episode. I, it, it was like, that phone call or that voicemail that you don't even want to look at because you just have anxiety and you don't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. But I feel so much better after talking to Megan and just kind of like having some sort of plan and action in mind. Yeah. I can't wait for everyone to dig into this episode, get your notebooks ready because Jack and I and, and Megan and the student loan planner are about to change your world. Well, Megan, welcome to the WOMED. We love a woman in finance. Thank you. Yeah, there's there's not many of us in, in no. finance, but there's more. <laughs> there were, we're getting more in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes. Jack and I were talking about that this morning, too, because we're like, there's such a, like a discrepancy with, like, women just, we're not taught as much financials mm-hmm. still. And yeah, so we're just, we're excited to have you on to kind of help break down a lot more of this, especially in the nursing community where it's still primarily female. There's more and more women joining the medical community every day. So, Mm -hmm. and with all the changes that just happened and (laughs) that the president just handed (laughs) down yesterday, this is the perfect time to talk about all of our student loans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I Danielle, I love that you said that because I completely agree. There's such an intersection in this conversation here because one, we are all identifying as women and two, we are, Danielle and I are both healthcare workers and specifically nursing um, is a profession where it's like 90% women for the most part. So women and people in healthcare, I think are both really kept under to understand financial literacy. And there's also this incredible level of shame, I think, that goes along with talking about our finances and talking specifically about our student debt. So I'm really excited to jump in. And yes, of course, this timing literally could not be more perfect with yesterday. Good old (laughs) Joe announced his um, three-year program to address student debt, which is getting a lot of a lot of feedback, both good and bad, I think. So so yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited. And you're exactly right. I think finances are still in a way a little taboo to talk about. And finance is not taught in school either. So personal finance is something you really have to really seek out and teach yourself or hopefully your parents were able to teach you a thing or two. And so student loans are oftentimes the first introduction that someone has to personal finance and it's oftentimes not a positive interaction. Uh, So I, I think student loan planning really does have such a big impact on a lot of people's finances Not only because it's the first introduction, but it's also like sometimes the biggest liability that someone might have really early on in their their financial life or their career. Yeah, like when we're trying to buy a home or a car or, you know, (laughs) 
all of the all of the big life things that that come at you and then like oh i'm sorry you still have like a hundred thousand dollars in student debt you have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in student debt <laughs> like yeah yeah big jumbo balances i commonly see six figures now for medical professionals and yeah it does make a lot of i mean it's proven that student loan debt has uh, really affected a lot of different things, uh, not just financially, but also personally. So on the financial side, student loans can affect like the ability to buy a house or to save for a down payment, because that is another liability that you have. It can affect saving for retirement, which could delay things on that side of the spectrum. And, you know, just maybe <laughs> maybe delaying people moving out from home or just moving out on their own or upgrading a car. Um, and then on the personal side of things, I've literally had people tell me that they've waited to get married because they they don't know how marriage will impact their student loan situation or they they don't want to bring that into a marriage or delayed having children because of similar reasons. So it's I think what's nice is or what's what's good, what a positive thing about all this is I think student loan debt is treatable. We can we can have a plan of action that can really help reduce the the anxiety around the student loans that's that's one but also like make sure that we could also prioritize other things in your financial life i think it just really starts with the plan amazing and i i agree like even just like starting to have this conversation and as i was prepping for this interview i started getting that like that nervous tension and i was like Oh God, like I, I even reminded myself, I was like, you know what? I need to go in and check my student loan account. I need to see where I'm at. I was like curious to see where I'm at with my payments um, to kind of prep for this episode. And like that initial fear of like that wanting to like not even press the button to log into my account. Like I, I know this is a feeling felt by so many healthcare professionals, medical professionals, mm-hmm. especially like doctors and physicians. Um, I just read the average are coming out of medical school debt of an average of $200,000 uh, of medical school mm-hmm. debt. And with nurses, it's definitely less than that. But nurses that want to pursue higher education, masters, doctorates, it's looking closer in the six figures. And for all purposes of transparency, I kind of wanted to just like say my number. So maybe we can um, like decrease some stigma and maybe open this conversation so people can hear what I'm dealing with and maybe not feel so bad about what they're going through. But I think that that's like another piece of the conversation is like being transparent about the numbers and like what numbers are people actually having to deal with. So I just quickly looked in my account and Danielle, no pressure to share yours because you're a badass bitch and already repaid a lot of yours. But (laughs) so I came to nursing later. I have 80,000 stuck still from my undergrad. I have Mm -hmm. another 87 from my master's degree, which was a three-year master's degree. I then got my doctorate, which was another four years, my doctorate of nursing. And then on top of that, I have like about 30,000 of interest that's accrued since I graduated college, which was in 2012. So I actually had most of my doctorate paid for, which makes me want to throw up that all of this adds up to just over Mm $200,000. I am over $200,000 in debt. And I had most of my doctorate paid for, which is literally disgusting. So let's let's like just start diving into this conversation because you're coming from the end of the PSFL, which is the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. And like, I just want to dive in. One, what is this program? And two, how can we start even comprehending how much debt we have and what we can do about it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I I think starting out, um, trying to figure out what you need to do or what path you need to start going down for student loan repayment, because a lot of people are going to have a similar experience to you (laughs) where no one has been having to make student loan payments. It's been two and a half years uh, because those with federal student loans, we've been in this COVID forbearance since March of 2020. So a lot of folks are going to have a similar feeling like logging into their accounts for the first time in a long time to see like where they're at. 
Um, <laughs> it was very terrifying. <laughs> it was like, you have to change your password. It's been so yeah. long that you need to change your password. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yep. Almost everybody had to do that. You million dollars. <laughs> yeah. So kind of how to compartmentalize like where, what direction, like what, what plan should you be thinking about for yourself? So really uh, what I suggest to do is put you into one of two buckets and it, it comes down to where does your balance fall in comparison to your income? So that's that's step one is, you know, what what is my balance? What is my income? And what will my income be for the next, you know, maybe five years or so? If your balance is going to be less, a lot less than your your income, then it might make more sense to treat your student loans more like a debt and pay that off like a regular debt. So that would include maybe looking at refinancing, which refinancing is the only way you can reduce your interest rate. That's taking the loans to a private company. And then your goal there is just to really reduce the interest cost as much as you can, pay it off maybe as soon as you can. On the flip side, if your balance is greater than income, which is a lot of times what we're running into now, and uh, you know, that's if that's the case, then instead of treating the loans like a debt, we might want to be considering treating the loans more like a tax. And what I mean by that is being more passive towards the loans and paying based on income, going towards some kind of forgiveness timeline. And there's income-driven forgiveness for anyone. So you don't have to be in public service loan forgiveness uh, you don't have to be working in a public service capacity to to pursue forgiveness of some kind because each of those income-driven plans that are in the Fed system have a maximum repayment period of 20 or 25 years. And that still sounds like a long time, but when you're looking at it mathematically, if your balance is much, much greater than your income, it's probably going to take you that long to pay the loans off anyways because you're looking at right. a mortgage. And, you know, the income to pay it off, that's going to take a big shovel to to pay it off. So mathematically, going that income-driven path to kind of just, you know, keep the payments proportionate to income, you want to pay as little as possible until you get to that 20 or 25-year timeline, then whatever balance is left over is is then forgiven at that time. That feels weird because that is not a normal way to treat debt. <laughs> But, right. But that's like, a. I feel like one of the biggest questions that people have is like, how am I supposed to tackle these loans if I have $200,000 or $100,000 in loans? Mm -hmm. Should I be making small payments over time? Or if I happen to get like a big signing bonus, should I just bulk pay this at once? So I love how you just broke that down. So basically, if you, you're saying if your income is less than your lump sum of student loans, it makes more sense to do the small bits over time or income driven. It is does. that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. That makes me yep. feel a little bit better. So yep. if I'm 32, Danielle, how old will I be? You know, I can't do math in my head. Let's say I'm 50. <laughs> 50 you mean in 25 years. <laughs> Probably 52. Yeah. <laughs> I can deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know sometimes like mentally that's hard to maybe stomach, especially for folks who maybe went to school later or this is a second career. But at the end of the day, you have to think about, you know, not just the student loans. You have to kind of step back and think about, OK, if I took the wrong approach with my loans, that's going to hurt me in a lot of other areas, because if right. you're only focusing on the student loans, your income is is definitely less than your balance. It's taking so much of that paycheck to put towards the loans each month. It's still going to take you a long time to pay those loans off if you're treating it like a debt in that scenario. And what you're also sacrificing at that at that same time, though, is probably saving for retirement or putting money mm -hmm. towards other things. And so you might be student loan debt free. Maybe you cut instead of 20 years going towards forgiveness, maybe you you get it knocked down to 10 or 15 by paying very aggressively, but you look up your student loan debt free and you have nothing else to really show for it. So then you have to right. start and be really aggressive with saving for retirement and getting other things on track. So the the feeling of maybe not, <laughs> you know, not focusing on your loans feels strange. I know that. But mathematically and financially speaking, it could be the best thing for you. 
So you'd, you'd want to make sure that you had a good feel for like what what path you'd you'd be best in. And then there's public service loan forgiveness that you mentioned, which is a little shorter. So if you are, and I see this a lot for medical professionals where if you're working in a public service capacity, either for a nonprofit or 501c3, which oftentimes a lot of hospitals tend to be 501c3 status mm-hmm. or government, so a state hospital or uh, the VA, federal, then you can be eligible for a program called public service loan forgiveness that uh, will allow loan forgiveness after 120 payments which that's about 10 years if you were completely consecutive. So we see a lot of folks be eligible for that. And that's about half the time as, as the longer term forgiveness. So let's keep going on this in the public service loan forgiveness, because you're right, a lot of healthcare workers are very interested in these sorts of jobs. Mm-hmm. How do you know if you're eligible for the PSLF? Like, is there a list on your website? Is it for any sort of healthcare professional? It really comes down to who the employer is. So who's going to be paying you? And you can do a quick Google search of your employer and just type, you know, the the employer itself with nonprofit question mark behind it. Usually it is very clear if the employer itself is a nonprofit because they they do have to post public records, financial records of themselves. They'll have their EIN number public, which is the federal employment identification number. So that's that's one quick way if you're just curious. But the most definite way to to confirm eligibility is you want to submit what's called an employment certification form. And this is found on studentaid.gov. There is a PSLF help tool that you can use that um, will ask you for the employer's EIN number, which if you've been working with this employer for some years, you can find this on your W-2. That's one quick way to find it. Or you can ask HR. You plug that in and it'll tell you pretty much immediately if your employer is eligible. And that will confirm if if you're at a qualifying employer. Okay. So if you think you've been at an eligible employer, can you retroactively count some of your time working? Or is there like an is there like an application that you have to get ahead of? with this. Yeah, it is retroactive. That form is always retroactive. So let's say you've been paying on your loans for five years. You've been at the same state hospital, but you just didn't know about public service loan forgiveness. You could submit that employment certification form confirming your start date five years ago and uh, that you're still presently employed. You'd have to get HR or someone at work to sign off on it to confirm that you are in fact there. And you'd get that submitted and they'd go back and they'd count up all of those payments that you've made in the past five years. So it is a retroactive program, thankfully. And then you submit the form once a year going forward just to make sure that they're counting up your payments correctly. So it's a yearly thing that you have to submit for the loan forgiveness. You don't necessarily have to, but we highly recommend it because... That's a great way to just make sure that they're counting up your payments correctly and you catch any payment issues early on. <laughs> now, what what if you're kind of like me and weren't very great at managing her finances as a 21, 22-year-old nurse and like maybe you missed a payment here or there? Does that affect... How Full transparency. They're going to throw you in jail. I'm just kidding. I'm like waiting for the IRS to knock on my door one day and throw me in jail. Like I have nightmares. Oh well, you just you you miss them sometimes. Like sometimes you just don't have the money. Nurses are not paid adequately to try yeah, and have in a your twenties. I think you're fine. I think you've got bigger fish to fry. Well, no, I know, but like, does that count against you for oh, loan forgiveness right. if you've missed payments? That's a good question. So no. Well, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that if you miss a payment, you're past like the grace period that they give you. That month is not going to count. 
but okay. it doesn't start you over, thankfully, because I had some people that think that they're like, oh, my gosh, if I miss a payment, I'm going to start over at zero. And it's like, no, thankfully, that is not the case. <laughs> it just <laughs> means that one month won't count. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. And okay. you can also be at different employers, too. So let's say you're not with the same hospital. You you mm. move to a different state or move to a different location. Like, that's okay. Even if you have a break in service or a different employer, that's that's okay. It just means that the months where you're not eligible, like not working for that eligible employer, won't count. But you could pick back up with where you left off on your payment count from there. Okay. So let's say breathing out there. (laughs) I know I'm actually already feeling this is like I'm starting to get that feeling of when you like delay sending that email for three weeks and then you send the email and you're like, why did I like, why did I get so nervous about this? I guess the question is when you find out that you're eligible or you have been eligible for the PSLF waiver, and then you apply, you get your certification, yay, like you apl- you applied, you qualify, or you have qualified, what comes next? Yeah, because I think I'm making it more difficult than it actually is. And I think a lot of people can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there, I like to break it down into a couple actionable steps. So uh, if you're eligible for public service loan forgiveness, there's really four things that you have to continue to maintain to be eligible. Uh, So first and foremost is you have to continue to be employed full-time with an eligible employer. So if you've submitted that employment certification form or you've you've checked that your job is nonprofit or government, that box is checked. You also need to be considered full-time by the employer. And the the hour, it's kind of a two-pronged uh, definition there to where the it has to be the employer's definition of full-time, but it needs to be at least 30 hours a week. So for example, if the employer says full-time is 28 hours, that does not fit PSLF's definition of 30. So you have to at least work 30. If you picked up extra, does that count? It or can. is it like just like how many hours you're supposed to, like your job description says, but like overtime doesn't really the latter, the latter, technically, it really comes down okay. to what your employer will sign off on on a form because there's two boxes. It says full-time or part-time. And if you check full-time and you have at least 30 hours or more listed, then you'll, you'll be good to go. Okay. Yep. And this might bring up another good point. So full-time employment, like we said, is, is required, but you can work two separate or more than two uh, separate public service jobs, mm-hmm. let's say part-time. So let's say you're like 15 hours at a hospital, 20 hours in academia. You're, you're teaching you know, a couple classes or something. Those hours together add up to be over 30. And if, as long as they're both with eligible employers, then that does count towards PSLF. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. awesome. That's a really, that's a really that's great a really option, good I think, especially for nurses or um, mm-hmm. nurses with Matt that can teach. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. And it's just an annual average. So, you know, you put your annual average of hours, get that signed by each of the relevant uh, employers. And then, as again, as long as it's over 30 hours, then that's good. And I do see that happen a lot or that be a- being applicable a lot in medicine. So that's one important note. And that's the first big thing is just full time or at least 30 hours between two employers with an eligible employer second requirement is we have to have direct loans. This is something you can confirm now on the front end. Now, direct loans are loans that are uh, given to you by the the Department of Education. So private loans are not eligible for public service loan forgiveness Mm -hmm. at all. So if you have like a SoFi loan or um, what's another example, SoFi or Earnest, uh, Firstmark, like those loans are not eligible for public service loan forgiveness. It's only the ones that were lent to you by the Department of Education. Okay. And direct should be what you have in your title of the, the loan name. Before 2010, you could have had what's called FFEL loans or Family Federal Education mm-hmm. Loans. These were just issued kind of like they're issued today. Like you didn't really have a choice on what you got. So if you had borrowed loans before 2010, you want to double check that you don't have those FFEL loans. 
If you do, you can convert them into direct, but you need to know that you have the wrong loans first. <laughs> so that's okay. that's one thing to double check. The direct loans, uh, once that's fixed or once you know you have them, then you're good. There's nothing you need to do with that bullet point going forward. The third requirement is you need to be on an income-driven plan. So there are four different income-driven plans. And if you're pursuing forgiveness, you'd want to be on one of the cheapest. And the two cheapest are called repay and pay. Generally, one of those two will probably be ideal um, for for your situation. They're based on 10% of your discretionary income. And then the last requirement is you have to make 120 payments. And that's mm-hmm. just monthly payments on time and full. So the the payments, that's an ongoing thing. Full-time employment, that's an ongoing thing that you can control. And then the two things that you check off like at the beginning is making sure that you have the right loans and making sure that you're on an income-driven plan. And so those are how you can remain eligible. You submit that employment certification form. We recommend once a year to keep a a pulse on your payment count because the loan servicer will track your payment count towards 120. And Mohila is who's responsible for public service loan forgiveness. So you'll uh, have a little tracker within their portal once once they know that you're pursuing it. But that's the quick and dirty, what you need to do to maintain eligibility and what to expect. (laughs) So let me repeat. This yes. makes sense. In nursing, we call this and, the teach back method. Yeah. Make sure that I can teach it back. So yeah. basically with this program, if you find a job that qualifies or you have been working in a job that qualifies, you can make 120 payments. So one payment a month for this would be 10 years of payments every month. That payment would be based on your income. So income driven. So you'd pay. So typically a low number if you could. And then if you complete this for 10 years, the rest is just bye, bye, bye. Correct. If they are <laughs> under the federal direct loans. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you yeah. don't have federal loans, you're effed. But I think most people do have federal loans, correct? Yeah. Like most, most yeah. of the time, your loans will be federal. They're Perkins, they're the plus loans, they're mm-hmm. like Yes. So you're, we, I guess like right. it would make sense for you to kind of like crunch some of these numbers and see if that would make sense for you. And if that, you know, 10 years worth of working in a job wouldn't make sense for you. So like what if you work nine years mm-hmm. and you're like I really can't do one more. Then yeah. what? Yeah, so public <laughs> public service loan You're forgiveness. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's uh no, I get that question. It's a comment. <laughs> I get that question every day. <laughs> but um, okay, so you know, know how to answer it. <laughs> yeah, because you you never know. You don't know what you're going to be doing. You know, nine, ten years from now. So it it is hard to maybe like commit to that path. But so what I say in that scenario is, well, just factually, PSLF is an all or nothing program, meaning that if, if we don't complete 120 payments, there is no partial forgiveness. It's we have to hit that number. Right. Um, so you'll retain the credit. So what I tell folks, too, is, you know, if you leave public service in the ninth year, maybe hold on to the loans, keep them federal, stay on an income driven plan for a bit because you never know if you're going to be back. And I've had many scenarios where someone has scheduled a consultation with me, said, hey, I just got a private sector job. I know I'm going to love it. I'm never going back to public service. And I've said the same thing, you know, okay, well, let's keep them federal, stay on the income driven plan for a year or two, see if you like this job and if it's full, you know, going to be the real deal. And if not, then you can go back into public, you know, the next job might be public service and you can pick back up with your your payments and finish out PSLF. And sure enough, I have a lot of folks where that's the case, where just somehow like they find themselves back into public service, not even on purpose, sometimes by accident. And um, they're able to pick back up with where they left off because, and and why I say this is be be kind of careful, don't make any quick decisions about what to do if you choose to to switch your job 
is because if you then switch gears and start being more aggressive or you go and refinance your student loans, then you can't come back to the Fed system if you then became eligible later on for public service. So you'd want to make sure that you knew for sure and you were aware that if, you know, if you go and refinance, you're okay with totally walking away from public service loan forgiveness, from income-driven repayment. Like that, that's a permanent decision, which is not, you know, for some folks, it's not the wrong decision. It could be the right plan. You just want to make sure you're aware of that and you, you've sat with that and you're okay with that decision. <laughs> so, um, but it's, you know, not the end of the world. If that happens, we have seen it happen. It might just switch your game plan, but it also means that you could potentially just continue to go towards the longer term forgiveness because you're already on the income-driven plan, you're already earning credit towards that. So if you're nine years into PSLF, that also means you're nine years into to the income-driven right. plan forgiveness. So mathematically, maybe it makes sense just to do the longer term then, you know, and, and continue to go from there. So how does... All of the crazy news that dropped yesterday with um, with Biden um, signing in that they're going to forgive $10,000 of student loans. Mm-hmm. How does that fit in with the public service loan forgiveness? Yeah. Oh, gosh, this is a great question because I was talking about this last night with my fiance. So Biden announced that he's he's going to be forgiving up to 20000 actually, of student loan, federal student loan debt. Uh, so 20000 per borrower. And there are stipulations, though. So you had to have made, if you're single, like filing as a single person, filing taxes, um, your income had to be less than 125000 mm-hmm. And we're not clear at this point if they are going off of 2021's tax return, like the most recent tax mm-hmm. return. Okay. That's likely because that's how the government usually works is they go off of the most recent return. So if, if you didn't file for 2021 yet, maybe it's off of 2020, but probably assume it's off of 2021. So 125 if you're single, 250 if you're married. So that also, we're not, also not sure if that means, you know, if you filed married separately from your spouse, does that change anything or what? So there's some clarification needed on the income right now. Um, and then up to 20000 Uh, If you had borrowed or sorry, if you had been given Pell Grants in college. So a Pell Grant, you would have been issued after completing. You have to complete FAFSA to borrow federal student loans, too. But if you were given a Pell Grant at any point in your college career, then you can get up to 20,000 of loan forgiveness or cancellation right now. And if you did not have a Pell Grant at any point, you get up to 10000 And up to what I mean by that is just if your balance is less than those amounts, you're only you're just going to get your balance wiped out. They don't give you any money. It's um, just up to, to what your current balance is or ten or 20000 So a pretty big deal for people who are paying the loans off because that's ten or 20000 you don't have to pay, which is pretty awesome. Now, where it's kind of stinky is for public service loan forgiveness folks or for those going towards longer term forgiveness, this doesn't affect you at all because your payment is based off of income if you're going on an income driven plan. And so if you get 10000 or 20000 of loan cancellation, it has done nothing for you because you're, you're already going towards forgiveness, whatever was left over after 120 payments or after the 20 years will be forgiven. So it's not as impactful to people pursuing forgiveness timelines. Right. It's not like you could be like, ah, this $10,000 is going to help me for the next, it's going to cover these payments for a year for this repayment. It's like you still have to repay to get them all forgiven. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. And so what for people that are not doing public service, it's actually hilarious because I saw mm-hmm. this on Twitter that the um, the website literally like shut down yesterday because so many people were on the and so I checked it like did. early this morning and it, it, <laughs> it was still shut down. It is working now, but 
Yeah. Have you heard any rumors of like when this yeah. will become available for that's like the big question right now. Like when can we apply? When will this become available? So right now, uh, it so it, they say it's it can be automatic for folks. And I think what they mean by that is if you're already someone who's on an income driven plan, then the servicer already has access to your income information because you've you've been on an income driven plan. So they know what you made and 2021 or maybe 2020, the last tax return that they have. So those folks will probably get it automatically. There will be an application that you can submit. Uh, That's something that I guess they're working on right now. And they say that it will definitely be available before December 31st of this year. So I think we'll learn a little bit more about the timeline or have access to maybe the application in the coming weeks or maybe the coming months. But thankfully, they also, with yesterday's announcement, they postponed payments again until pretty much 2023. Fuck yeah. So while we're waiting for them to do this stuff, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> while we're waiting, they can um, they, they can update the website, they can get the application set up. You're not really coming out of pocket while you wait for the 10000 or the 20000 to come through. Um, and another quick tip is the the COVID forbearance, all these months where you're not making payments, do count towards forgiveness, towards mm-hmm. PSLF mm-hmm. and towards income driven. As oh, long wow. Okay. Yeah. That was one of the stipulations. So that's pretty sweet is we're not missing out on forgiveness time. Thankfully, you're kind of getting free credit if you're eligible. Um yeah, lots of good things announced yesterday. <laughs> I don't know if you'll be answer- able to answer this question specifically, but when Biden, and this is why, like, of course, this all sounds wonderful and it is it is going to be really helpful to some people. Um, I think a lot of us in healthcare, when you look at these huge numbers of t- 100 grand, 200 grand, it feels very minimal and people are still, you know, of course, like having things to say about this isn't enough. This is just the start. President Biden promised X, Y, and Z. But since we have you specifically for the public service loan forgiveness program, when Biden was running for president, he promised to expand the existing program by canceling 10,000 a year in student debt for every year a borrower works for up Mm -hmm. to five years. So do you, and again, you may not be able to answer this and this is like, we're going into politics now, but I'm just Mm. curious if this is something that you've heard about, like would this drastically change the landscape of the program? Do you see this happening at all? Or is this like off the table, we think, since it was announced yesterday what the changes are for now? Yeah. So I think there has already been some really positive action with public service loan forgiveness called the PSLF waiver. And we didn't talk about this quite yet. But in summary, what the PSLF waiver is, is it's allowing people to go back and get credit for months that were previously ineligible. So uh, remember the the requirements. We have to be on an income-driven plan. We have to have the right types of loans. So what the waiver is doing is it's allowing people to go back and still get credit for payments that were made in the past, even if they didn't have the right loans or even if they weren't on the right repayment plan. So that was a really big deal because um, you know a lot of folks probably had periods like that in the past if they didn't know about the program or if mm-hmm. if they you know, didn't know they needed to be on an income-driven plan, whatever the situation, now they can go back and get credit and they're a lot closer to, to the 120 payment threshold than they originally thought or they're already at loan forgiveness. That's what's been pretty cool is some people have been making payments on their FFEL loans for 20 years and they can now get their loans forgiven if they were still you know, full-time totally. in public service for at least 10 years. It's a really big deal to apply for that. All, all people need to do is fix their loans if they're the wrong types, which that just means if they're FFVL or if they're Perkins loans, they need to be consolidated. And consolidation is a process mm-hmm. of combining those loans in the federal system. You can do that free application on studentaid.gov. So that's one part. And then the second part to it is you have to submit in an employment certification form, that same form we were talking about. Uh, The deadline to do that, to claim that prior credit is October 31st. So that is coming up in two months. But that just means you have to submit those things like you have to take that action. Um, they, They might take longer to process and that's okay. 
So that's one big thing that I think the Biden-Harris administration did. And it was really righting a lot of wrongs Mm -hmm. maybe that had happened in the past about the program being very unclear or confusing. Um, So really impactful. Now, that proposal where there's 10,000 of of loan forgiveness for each year of work in public service up to five years or um, even all the way up to the 10-year mark, that hasn't gone anywhere yet, but it is. it would be very significant if it was implemented in the sense of folks that PSLF doesn't, don't tend to work out for are folks that, of course, leave public service. So for folks that leave public service, at least this would give them something, you know, for a year or two that they, they did commit in public service work. Um, and then it doesn't really help people, public service loan forgiveness mathematically might not work out for someone who has a much lower balance where their income and the income-driven payment just ends up paying off the loans before they can get to 120 payments. So this also helps those folks. I don't know if this will come through, if they're going to circle back to it. It it was a a proposal that got a lot of attention and it could be really impactful. But uh, at this time, I don't see it I don't see anything in stone about it. So it's just kind of a speculation thing right now. Mm -hmm. I wanted to touch more on the waiver in like the last few minutes here. What makes the waiver different than just basic public service loan forgiveness? Just again, real quick for everyone listening. Yeah. So the biggest thing is it allows prior payments where you were not on the right repayment plan or you had the wrong loans mm-hmm. to count. Where okay. with regular, so PSLF, that form I mentioned, we talked about earlier, it is retroactive, but it's only going to count payments that were on an income-driven plan and that you had the right loans for. So you had to have already been checking those boxes for that credit to be retroactive. Now with the PSLF waiver, you if you didn't have those boxes checked, like we still have to be full-time and working at an eligible employer, that's still the same. But if you didn't have those boxes checked, you can now go back and get the credit. So that's the biggest difference. Um, There's a lot of other nuances with it. Like if you consolidate, you can round your payment count up to the highest payment count that any one of those loans had. So this actually might be maybe relevant to, to... Maybe Mm -hmm. even to you, Jacqueline, where if you had multiple employment or uh, multiple Mm -hmm. enrollment Mm -hmm. periods, I should say. So let's say you did your bachelor's, got master's, Mm -hmm. you had a little bit of a break between going back to school. I did. You worked at an eligible employer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in your situation, those older loans have more payment credits towards Mm -hmm. PSLF than the newer ones because the newer ones didn't exist. So... If you were to consolidate or combine your whole balance, then the payment count for the consolidation would be rounded up to the highest payment count that any one loan had. So if you had like 24 payments Mm -hmm. from undergrad, from the loans from undergrad that could count, and you just started paying on the newer loans, well, Originally, with the older PSLF rules, you'd have two timelines. You'd have the the older loans getting forgiven two years sooner than the newer ones. But now you can combine it and get the whole thing credit for the, the payment count that the older ones have. But does that make sense how I explain that? Yeah, I'm so grateful that we have you to explain this because... We in this short hour, we've been able to cover so many um, questions that I know a lot of healthcare workers have, and hopefully ease some of that mm-hmm. that anxiety mm-hmm. and that tension that we were joking about, but is very very real. I also just kind of want to ask, you know, this is still like over, like I think overwhelming in a way of everyone's repayment plan is going to look different. Everyone's careers are going to look different. Everyone's lifestyle is going to look different and their life goals are different. Is there a way that like, what would you recommend for people that are wanting a little bit more help to book a consultation with someone to read a book to, you know, I know there's a lot of free resources on studentgov.com or is it student, student, what are some other resources that you would recommend folks to kind of start heading to? Yeah. So studentaid.gov, wealth of information. It's also just a lot 
of information and it's hard to sift through like what's relevant to you and what's not. So a couple places. So our podcast, Student Loan Planner, uh, and our blog on studentloanplanner.com. We talk all things student loans. And if you have a question about something student loan related, we've probably written 10 articles on it on our website. <laughs> so check out our website for some more free content. And um, we do also one-on-one consultations. So this is our bread and butter where we know, like from we're all from a financial planning background. We all have a passion for helping people with, with student loans and navigating their student loan plan. Everybody's, you said it perfectly, everybody's plan is different. And so it's, it's, that's why it's so hard because your plan might be different than your colleague because you just have different situ- situations. It, you know, you, there's marital status comes into play with some of these decisions, whether or not your spouse has, has loans, um, what your balance is, what your income is, if you have side hustle money, like all of those things that are personal to you go into this plan. I always say, you know, you you spend quite a bit of money to go and get this degree. It might be worth it to spend a little bit of money to just get a plan to to learn how to tackle this to get up set up on the right direction for for navigating your most efficient repayment route. So we do one-on-one consultations and that gets an hour with us where we ask for some information in advance. We review all of your your um options. So we we navigate every which way you could have looked at taking care of your student loans. And that that helps us hone in on what the best option is going to be for you. So it's, uh, I think, a very valuable service. It's a very quick, high-impact service because we were able to, by the end of the call, we have our plan of action. And that that can also free up your mind to focus on other things. Like if, if the student loan piece has been what's delaying a lot of decisions for you financially or personally get a plan together because then I think that will kind of push down that roadblock and allow you to, to kind of give yourself permission to move on and focus on other priorities, which is awesome. And then one last thing I'll mention is, you know, if if not with us, uh, of course, I do recommend working or seeking out a certified student loan professional or a CSLP for short. That will tell you that they have the uh, the knowledge about student loan repayment and kind of the the legal side, the, the really technical knowledge about student loan repayment. In the financial planning space, financial advisors were taught, there's probably two pages in our, you know, hours and hours and hours of coursework that talks about student loans. So not just any financial professional is going to know about student loan debt. You have to go to someone who has specialized in it and put in the time and effort to learn more about it. Um, but those are some ways that that you could maybe get some additional help. Amazing. So where, again, is the student loan planner available? So that's like where someone can come and like speak to, like have someone hold their hand and walk them through this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So studentloanplanner.com, uh, there's a tab on there, get help. And if uh, you are someone who already has debt, there's a tab for you to go to. And that's where you can schedule a consultation with with one of us. So you could work with me, but we have a team of folks that are just as nerdy about student loans. <laughs> so we will be here for you. <laughs> oh my God. I wish I had this like years ago. I wish, I wish coming out of nursing school, I would have had mm-hmm. this information at hand because it just would have saved so much time and stress and money. I mean, like that's um, almost every hospital institution is not for profit, and I've worked at two of them for twelve years. So, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I feel like I wasted a lot of money. <laughs> oh, but you do have the the peace of mind of knowing that yours are done. Like you don't. Yes have yes. that bill like you you know so i think there's the positive in that is exactly you really knocked it out no one you're no welcome one who, government <laughs> right i was gonna say i've never had anyone tell me that they regretted like paying off their student loans and not mm-hmm. having them in the pictures so i know all of this sounds like fun and interesting but i'm happy for you that that you don't have this this burden that you have to worry about <laughs> oh lord me too um but <laughs> Jack's like, F you. You can take out some of mine, Danielle. 
But yeah, I just want to encourage everybody uh, who's listening to head on over to um, Student Loan Planner and make sure you guys are aware of the waiver and the deadline that's coming up for that with the public service loan forgiveness. We got to stick together here, people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and thank you too for allowing me to come and speak on this topic, this kind of nasty topic. No one wants to talk about student loans, but hopefully this is an approachable way to help people just learn a little bit more about their options and maybe give you some courage to to take a look at your situation today and and be able to move forward. Thank you, Megan. You've been amazing. Yeah, truly. Thank Thank you you so much, Megan. You're such a, um, you really broke this down in such a digestible way and in a not so scary way. So we will definitely be in touch and I definitely will be scheduling my consultation. So (laughs) even though this was a very helpful start. Can't wait to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good, good. Wow, guys, I hope you took as many notes as I did with that one. But yes, again, I know a lot of this can still probably feel a little bit overwhelming, but this is such an important topic to talk about now. We know that student loans um, and overall student debt has so many underlying race and gender disparities. We know that mostly women hold a lot of the nation's student debt and specifically Black women and women um, of minority groups are disproportionately affected by student loans. So I am so happy that we can offer this as a resource to our fellow healthcare workers, our fellow women, um, people that are really struggling with student debt because debt forgiveness is so crucial to addressing racial disparities in our economy. So guys, please use this as a resource. Please send this to your friends. Please share this episode on your social media. Hopefully we can help many, many people with with this one. On that beautiful note, make sure you check out the show notes for links to everything. The Student Loan Planner, studentaid.gov. We will have everything linked for you. We got to use the resources, y'all. Yes. And we, you know, we love to talk about all facets of your health and wellness here and how to support yourself and financial wellness and financial understanding is a huge part of that puzzle. So you know where to find us on Instagram, you know where to find the website. We, as you noticed, are dropping episodes every Friday now. So we hope you are loving this new Friday release date. Hope to hear from you soon and we'll catch you next Friday. On that note, WOMED out. Oh.